Well, I'm Pastor Jamie Kendrew, and so glad to be here with you this morning. I've been gone for the past few weeks. We've been traveling. Pastor John and I had the privilege of, of traveling to Geneva, Illinois last week. We're, or Indiana, Illinois, 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 Chicago. Yeah. There you go. All right. Um, we traveled last week, and we kind of did a preaching mission, and um, it, was, it was just fantastic. We took some of our congregants with us, and what was really cool was 30 people came to know Christ. Uh, so you can clap for that. That's a good thing to clap for. For the first time, 30 people came to know Christ as their Lord and Savior. And what was encouraging to me as, as one of your pastors is that the testimonies of our congregation, the testimonies of the people sitting in the seats next to you and around you, are what changed these people's lives and what God had done in their lives. And so God worked through their testimonies. And I, just, I was so proud as a pastor to hear them sharing their stories and answering questions about the faith And it's so good when God's people give of their talents. It's so good when God's people give of their time and give of their treasure. And I just, I'm so thankful for that crew that went with us because people came to know Jesus um, because you were willing to give up a little bit of your time. And thank you, church, for sharing your pastors. Um, And it was, like I said, just a a fantastic time. And, uh, you know, we're in a new series right now, the the joy of giving. And, and I'm always, as a pastor, I'm always leery to talk about giving because there's this mindset that we have in the church that, you know, you hear it's as a church, we need to give, we need to give our money. And there's this groaning that happens inside of most of you that maybe you're doing right now going, I'm not coming for the month of November because all the church ever wants is my money. But I honestly believe in my heart as a pastor, if we don't preach to you about the proper way to give, we're not loving you. And so we're going to talk about giving. And this morning we're going to talk about what it is to give from our poverty. And I want to commend this to you. I want to say this to you right now. That I don't care how many zeros at the end of your tithe check there are. That if you're giving one cent with a heart that is beautiful and pure, God will take that one cent and He will move mountains with it. I want to say this to you, congregation. When you give to this ministry, we as a pastoral staff take that very, very seriously. We don't just throw the money here and there. We prayerfully consider where God wants us to use the blessings that that our congregation who has worked hard for these things, where God wants us to use them. Because we believe that when you give to the church, you're making an investment in eternity. And you're actually participating in the ministry when you give. And so we're going to be talking the next couple of weeks about what it looks like for us as a church to joyfully give. The best example of this I have ever seen was in one of my Kenya trips. Um, There's a lot of fantastic organizations out there. You saw one this morning with Operation Christmas Child. What What a fantastic, insignificant way... You heard me say that, right? It's, it's seven bucks. It seems so insignificant to us, doesn't, don't it? But when my little kids last year were packing that box, there was a joy, there was a beauty in their heart. Just as when you were packing those boxes last year, there's a joy and there's a beauty in the heart of how it was done. And I'm going to tell you, that little $7 gift and those pencils and erasers and whatever it is you put in there are doing incredible things for the kingdom to this day. I met my friend Paul Amandi. Paul uh, grew up in a place called the Cabarrus Slums. It's one of the poorest locations on the earth. The poorest of the poor in our nation live like kings in comparison to Cabarrus. Cabarrus is known for the flying toilets. 
Because you see, at a certain time in the evening, everybody knows to get off the streets because that's when all the, the toilets come out the windows. And they're called the flying toilets of Kibera. They're known for it. It's a horrible, horrible, deplorable, poor place to live. The average person makes less than a dollar a week who lives there. The people who do well will make $10 a week living in Kibera. My friend Paul Amandi grew up in Kibera. He was a Compassion International kid. They have a, a location right there in Kibera. And Paul, when I met him, he says, one of the things we're going to do while you're on this trip is we're going to go to the Compassion House because I want you to see what God has done for us. And I'm thinking, you literally have toilets being thrown at you at night and you're excited about what God's doing? Do you see there's something amiss there? But he had the true joy because he had people that loved him. He told me about his family in Atlanta, Georgia. And he showed me a picture of this couple in Atlanta, Georgia that had taken him on as a sponsorship. And you see, Paul was, was older in his years and Paul had actually graduated from Compassion International at this point. And he talked about how when those people gave their $40 a month, what that did for him was it allowed him to learn about God. It allowed him to learn a trade. It allowed him to become educated. And he says, they didn't just change me. They changed my family because I would go back to my home and I shared the gospel with my mother, with my siblings. And then I taught them the things that I was being taught. And so this $40, what might seem like an insignificant gift to this family, forever changed the Amandi name. They were given hope because the gospel of Jesus Christ was being spread through someone's generosity. What floors me is Paul did okay. He made about $5 a week. The average Compassion International sponsorship is $40 to $44 a month. Paul said to me that because of the love that this family from Atlanta, he calls them his spiritual parents, because of the love that his spiritual parents poured out on him, he said, one of my favorite things to do during the month, and yes, there's a bird, everybody look at it real quick, now let's forget about the bird, because God wants to say something to you, okay? <laughs> there's a bird in here. So Paul says, my favorite thing to do during the month is, is to sponsor, to write letters to my sponsored kid. I went, wait, 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 look, Paul, you sponsor a compassion kid? He said, yeah. He said, it's really hard. <laughs> he says, but five of my friends and I, we actually sponsor two kids. You do the math. $88 a month, making less than $5 a week. That's sacrificial giving. And he says, it's my greatest joy because, you see, my Christian brothers and sisters in America love me in such a way. How could I not return that love? How could I not return that gift? Because I am free. I am alive because of their love, because of their gift. And so I, too, will give. When was the last time you looked at giving that way? Do you find joy in giving to the work of the Lord? Or is it simply your church tax? Because there's a lot of us that when we look at giving, we look at it as a burden. But the reality, folks, is, is it's not supposed to be a burden. If giving to the church is a burden, you're doing it wrong. We've got a fantastic scripture this morning 
that takes us to a great example. So if you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to open it to 2 Corinthians 8. If you have your iPhone, you can open to the little Christ Church app and that scripture will be in there. And I do want to encourage you to follow along. This scripture is so rich that my words are not needed this morning. We just need these words and what they're preaching. As you're turning to that, I want to give you a little background on what's happening in, the, in this letter of 2 Corinthians. You see, Paul has had a little bit of a falling out with the church in Corinth. Uh, something within the year caused there to be a little funkiness. You know, church politics always gets in the way of stuff. And, and that, that affected this early church. So Paul's writing this letter for three main reasons. He's, he's writing this letter to encourage them to, to reconcile their relationship with him. He's encouraging them to reconcile their relationship with the church. And he's encouraging them in their attitude of giving. Corinth is located in a region, uh, it's like a state, if you will, of Achaia. And it's down towards Athens. And it's on, it's on kind of this, this area where there's, they've got a couple of harbors, and um, the city's doing well. To the north is the Macedonian region. There's three churches that Paul started there. There was the church of Berea, which we hear nothing but great things about. Paul's always commending you to be like Bereans. There's a church of Thessalonica. And there's the church of Philippi. Now, as Pittsburghers, I think we can relate to the Macedonian church better than anybody. Because you see, for hundreds and hundreds of years, the region of Macedonia was a steel town, basically. They had precious metals that they were known for. Their economy thrived. Everybody was working. Life was good in Macedonia. But as barbarians and raiders and as as different tribes tried to move in, as political things became involved, the economy tanked in Macedonia and they became the rust buckle of the precious metals industry. We know what that's like, don't we, Pittsburgh? Those of you that were around during the steel mill collapses, the jobs went away, a depression hit. We saw severe famine. We saw hardships. Some of you lived through that. I want to get in the mind of us that that's what Macedonia is going through right now. These people have nothing. They've got nothing. In fact, the churches are so poor that they become the mission project for the church universal, for the greater church at this point. A year before this letter is written, Paul challenges all of the churches in the world at this time. He says the church of Jerusalem is struggling because business in the church is booming. And so when the business in the church is booming, that means a lot of money is needed because widows, orphans, needs, things are being done, people are being taken care of. And so what's happening is is Jerusalem is running out of funding. They're beginning to die on the vine because, let's be honest, ministry needs resources. And so Paul makes this this great decree to all the churches. He says, I want you all to give for the sake of the gospel. And all the churches rally around him and they say, yes, we're going to give because you know what? We've been recipients of the gospel. And because of the good news of Jesus, we're going to contribute back to the cause. But when that political nightmare, that church issue happens in Corinth, the Corinthian church kind of backs out. Of giving. I'm not sure. We're going to kind of hold our tithe as, a, as hostage. They weren't being faithful to what God had called them to because the interesting thing about this is the Macedonian church, while it was in a great depression, Corinth was thriving. Because you see, they had two harbors and a lot of trade came through Corinth. And so Corinth 
had an abundance. But they weren't giving. They were being unfaithful. And so with reconciliation taking place and the relationships between the church and Paul healing, Paul writes these words to the church in Corinth about giving. In verse, or chapter 8, verse 1, he says these words, And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given to the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. The churches in Macedonia could completely relate with what was going on in Jerusalem. If you remember, they had become the mission project. They had nothing. But people from the church showed up for the Macedonian churches. They ministered to them. They loved them. They were being given financial aid. They were, be, they were receiving assistance. And because of that assistance that they were receiving, there was a grateful attitude about the church of Macedonia. And what I love about this scripture is it, is it continues on and it says this, that out of their joy, they were excited because they were being blessed. These are the folks that had no reason to be happy according to the worldly standards. They might as well have been living in Kibera. But they had the joy of the Lord. And out of that joy came movement, movement and a desire to give. Not because they had to, but because they got to, because they wanted to. He goes on to say this. Let me find my place here. Uh, Out of their most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. So here's the deal. This is what's happening. The church and in, in, in Macedo- the Macedonian churches, Paul's going out to the world saying, look, we've got some situations in the church. We need you to give so that we can do ministry. I'm not going to go ask the Macedonians for money because they're really hard off right now and, and we're going to pray for them. In fact, we're going to give to Macedonia and we need to give to the apostles and the people back in Jerusalem so that the ministry can continue. Now, if we were to fast forward this situation to today, I want you to imagine Paul coming to his desk and there's an email in his inbox. And in his inbox, he opens it up and it's a letter from the Macedonian people saying, hey, Paul, you know what? We, we really appreciate you taking care of us, but we too want to get involved in the giving for Jerusalem. Paul replies, are you kidding me? No, you guys are in need. Next day, Paul comes into work. The Macedonian church now sends 10 emails and now there's 15 phone calls and they're saying, Paul, listen, we really, we've been blessed by God and because of what God has done in our lives, we want to give, we want to help. Paul says, no way, I'm not letting you give. You guys are in need. The next day, Paul walks into his office. Guess who's on his doorstep? The Macedonian church. They say, Paul, don't rob us of our joy of giving back to God. And so what Paul's doing is he's commending them for the fact that they didn't just sit idly by. They weren't even asked to give. They got up and said, because of what God has done in our lives through the gospel, we want to participate in the gospel by giving back. Did you ever get those annoying missionary letters in the mail? Hey, we need so-and-so so much money so we can go do ministry in Jamaica or we can go do ministry in Russia. Listen to me. If you get those letters and you look at them as annoying, you're reading them wrong. 
Because not every one of us is blessed in such a way to be able to go into the mission field. Do you realize when we're invited to invest in those types of things, that is God inviting us to participate in missions in a different way. When God invites you to give, he's giving some of you who are very successful business people the opportunity to do something you can't normally do. You can't get away from the desk. And now God has allowed you an opportunity to be a missionary through your giving back. Do you hear what I'm saying, church? Giving is a blessing. It's not a duty. It's not something that someone's holding a gun to your head. And God wants you to give. He doesn't care how much you give. Did you hear me? He just wants you to give with the right heart. I love when the little kids at VBS do their thing where they raise their monies for the goats and the chickens. Here we are, we, we raise money for two goats, and, and there's a lot of us that have this mindset, oh great, we, just, we bought two goats for a family in, in Uganda, fantastic. Think about that. These beautiful little kids saving up their pennies by chickens and goats, and they forever change eternity because the heart with which they bring their pennies to church is pure and beautiful. And I love when I'm down there and I watch the little kids. They're just like this. They're like, come on. And they're like digging around in their pants and they're looking for extra change. They can't wait to give. What happens to us between then and now when we've got a little bit of wrinklage on our face? When do we lose that joy of giving? My prayer is that we don't. But if you're not giving with a joyful heart, you're missing it. And you're missing out on the blessings that God wants to pour out on you. The church in Macedonia, what a fantastic example we have. Because they weren't even asked. And then Paul says, they didn't just simply give what, what, what everybody else was given. They went above and beyond. They gave until it hurt. They sacrificially gave. When was the last time you gave to anything and it hurt? When was the last time God put something on your heart and he said, you know what? You don't have that money to spare right now, but I want you to give it to this and I will provide. When was the last time you were obedient to that? That's scary, isn't it? But God says in his scriptures that that's one thing we should test him in. Is when we give with the right heart, God will bless the gift and God will bless us. I promise you. This is the one investment that you are guaranteed a big return on. Wouldn't you love that promise in the stock market? I'm promising you right now, the Bible tells us in the very back, we win. (laughs) This is an investment worth making, and you should be joyous about it. Let me finish reading this scripture. Even beyond their ability, entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded for us for the privilege of sharing in the service to the saints. And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. I don't want you to give for me because I said so. The Macedonian church gave because they recognized what God did. And they recognized that first. Because God gave, we will give. And they honored that. And then you know what? We'll also help the apostles out. We'll help them do their thing. They gave first to God, then they gave to the apostles. It finishes up with this. They gave themselves first to the Lord and then in us, keeping with 
God's will. So we urged Titus, who was kind of the representative here, uh, since he earlier made a beginning to bring also to completion this act of grace in your part. He's challenging the church at Corinth. The church needs financed. It needs funded. And it only runs when you give. And he's challenging the church at Corinth just as we're challenging you this month. Give to the mission that you're blessed by. Step up. See it to completion. Because God has something to do through you and through this place. And we're the ones that he has chosen to use to do this. Does that make sense? Closes out with this. But just as you excel in everything, and let me tell you something, Christ Church, we do a lot of stuff awesome here. I'm so proud of the way I see you involved in the north side and urban impact. I'm so proud of the way that there was 30 bajillion Christmas boxes given away after this. We do a lot of things well here. And one of my prayers is, is that we as a church would be an example to the surrounding areas because we're a church that also gives well. Paul closes with this, with, with, and he says, But just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us, see that you also excel in the grace of giving. Why do you give, church? Is it from a joyous place? There's three things I want us to take away this morning that just, just as we read this, how's your heart? Pastor Brad talked about Christ and how Christ will change you. Christ will set you free from the bad news of sin. Unless your heart is the heart that God gave you, you will not understand giving. And in order to be a truly joyful giver, God has to give you a new heart. The Bible says that all you've got to do is open the door and let them in. And Christ will give you a new heart. And your heart will break and your heart will change. And you will care about the things that God cares about. And He will bring you joy in the way that you give. Some of us need heart changes, don't we? Second thing I want you to take home. Joy is not, or excuse me, joyful giving is not a duty. It's a privilege. I think we also do this with prayer. You've heard me say this before. The people that go, who's going to pray? And everybody goes, not it. No way. Prayer is not a dutiful task. Prayer is a privilege. Just as giving to God's mission is not a dutiful task. It's a privilege. What a blessing that we get to invest in eternity. Amen? Last thing I want you to just take with you. Sometimes giving isn't easy. God doesn't judge us according to the amount that we give, but He judges us by the heart with which we give it. And some of you, God's asking to give till it hurts. Are you obedient in that? I want to leave you with a story that Jesus tells us in Luke 21. Hopefully in your small groups this week, you'll talk about this story a little bit as well. Luke 21 says, As he looked up, Jesus saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. And then he also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins, coins of insignificance. I tell you the truth, Jesus said, this poor widow has put more than all of the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty. 
put in all that she had to live on. Are you giving joyfully to God? Are you trusting Him with what He has trusted you with? My prayer is that you are. And my prayer is that we are a joyous, joyful, giving church. Let's pray. We love you, God. And in a moment, we're going to come to your table as we think about the significance of how much you've given. We pray, God, that you would not let us look at tithing as simply church tax, but you would help us to see it as a joyful blessing, an opportunity and a privilege that you've given us to invest in what you're doing. Help us to be faithful stewards of what you've given to us, God. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' holy name. Amen.